welcome to the Recruitment Marketing Rebelcast. My name is Alyn Bailey, and alongside me on this journey into the talent acquisition and recruitment marketing universe is my friend and favorite partner in crime, Tracy Parsons. We've been getting together and talking and debating the world of TA for what seems like forever. And after a few too many cocktails, we thought, what the heck, let's hit record. And that, my friends, is how we ended up here, sharing our thoughts with you in hopes you'll find it equal parts fun, interesting, and a teeny bit inspiring. We don't sugarcoat the issues. We address them head on. So let's get this party started. Welcome, everybody. It's officially Zen o'clock. It's officially Zen o'clock. Exactly. We understand how to be Zen. We're not, we don't take things too seriously. We don't overanalyze. Never. No, no. I've, I've never stayed up really, really late overthinking everybody's life for them. No, No, that's, that's never happens to me. No, I only worry about things I can control. And if only all of that were true. Welcome and hello, everybody. (laughs) Including the we do Zen. (laughs) We do Zen. (laughs) We're so chill. We're so chill. Such Everybody that meets us, Alin, says, my God, you guys are so chill. Oh, my God. Nobody says say, that. How, how are you so calm and still breathing? <laughs> Which is really funny because, again, you know the COVID drama. And the funniest thing is watching my resting heart rate get back to normal. But now I'm starting to go, is that, it seems too low. <laughs> <laughs> is that really what it should be? That seems bad. Right. That doesn't feel right. I, I'm too zen when I sleep. Maybe that's why I like to sleep so much because that's the time that I really do. Like you can, you can physically see it in my data. You are obviously recharging. So this is so I don't have. I'm not. I'm not back on my fancy. I watch again, so I'm not. I'm not seeing that sleep. But I do have a sleep number bed, and it gives me a number. My sleep thing, and it's like it's like a competition for me. I get so mad when I wake do. up. This is, this, is, this is why I have so much trust in my life. The first thing I do when I wake up, and sometimes I do it in the middle of the night. Like just to check, you know, if I get up to check something, like I have to take the dog out, whatever, I'll check my sleep number. And if it's not, I get really bad sleep numbers. They like sit like in the thirties and forties sometimes. And then sometimes if like, I'm doing really well, I can get like a 70 somewhere in that range. Like those are like dream moments. I'm so excited when I wake up and I go, oh my God, my sleep number was 72. Today is going to be awesome. Okay, that is amazing. I don't know anything about that. You could have told me 72 is bad and I'd have been like, oh no. Oh, probably is. Probably people are listening to this going, oh, if you're thinking 72 is good, because it's out of 100. That's a C. That's a C. Listen, anything works. I mean, you know, obviously if I'm so neurotic that I get up in the middle of the night to check the sleep number, the sleep number is not going to be very good. It's really not going to help you. I'm just (laughs) letting you know, that's not, you're not resting. I think that that might be the number might not really be the true indicator. I think the indicator is the fact that you wake up to check the number. I think that's the indicator. This is the thing, controlling things (laughs) I can control because the sleep number bed basically determines your sleep number by how much movement you do in the bed and if you can keep your like breathing at the right level because you know it's kind of doing that so sometimes I can pretend to sleep and get it at the right level you are bad and then the number's good too and you're cool with that you're like (laughs) it's clearly it's clearly working I'm not sleeping I'm just very still and I can control my body because I'm in control of my body look at me go remember (laughs) be a better number do better 
Oh my God. I don't know anything about that because I'm currently a slave to my Apple watch rings and my family is making fun of me to the point where if I'm about to go to bed and I'm short, I will literally do push-ups in the closet until I close my rings. Yeah. Steve will laugh at me. He's just like, show you've gone insane. In fact, I would like everybody to keep me accountable. I am. This is my birth month. I, I was born in February and I'm going for a perfect month. You were saying Thanks. that. How, yeah, I'm, go, I'm you, going for it. Good? We're like day 10 in. We're, I we're, know. I'm still good. I've, I've, I've closed my rings every single day. I mean, it didn't hurt yesterday. I went on a rage run. So, you yeah, know. Your conversation about the rings and like, because, you know, my OCD and I was like, well, maybe that'll work for me. So I had, a, I have a first, when I, the iWatches first came out, I got mm-hmm. one. Loved it because we traveled a lot uh, for work, right? When I traveled a lot for work, I loved it because I could get like my flight information on my, God, changed my whole life, right? Yes. Trying to get your phone out, right? So it was best. But I haven't been wearing it since we've been um, home and and locked down. And obviously I only have a first generation. So, you know, I probably need to upgrade it. But I thought I went to go upgrade my phone this weekend. And I had a moment where I thought I should just go ahead and get the new watch so that I can have some rings again, because that may be the thing that changes my whole life. Well, I'm just letting you know that I have friends on my rings and it goes back and forth. So we alert each other when we finish a workout or we've closed our stand rings and then we cheer for each other. Like well, this you is, this do is... that with it now? It's not. Yes. Oh, we could be buddies. We could be ring buddies. Be my ring buddy, Alin. Okay, man. Oh my God. I'm so yeah. in. Okay. Wait. Recruitment marketing rebel cast crew. Oh yeah. We're having an RM rebel cast ring group. Do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. It's in. Okay. Everybody right now, stop what you're doing. Get on your Twitter and tweet us and tell us you're in. We'll figure it out. Yes, we'll figure it out. There's a way to figure it out. By the way, that's actually what Alin and I do all day. We come up with random ideas and then figure it out. So <laughs> figure it out. Welcome, welcome to our insanity. Be exactly. part of our figuring it out. Be in our rings club. Doublecast <laughs> rings club. So speaking of clubs, and I know we're going to be talking about maybe social media here in a little bit, or maybe not. We'll see, guys. We're kind of going with the flow today. But speaking of clubs, and it is connected to the social media thing we're going to talk about, kind of. I got into the clubhouse thing. I don't know what to do with it yet. And I'm sure others, by the way, I know because I've sent them the invites and they've been like, okay, like um, my friend Tyler, his first comment back to me was like, what do I do? And I'm like, I don't know. He said, I guess it's kind of like a party. I'll just grab a drink and go stand here in the corner and wait till somebody talks to me. (laughs) So you're supposed to like find things that you want to join into and listen to. So I found an equestrian group and I was listening into their training tips and I, I don't ride, but my son rides. It was my exploration into clubhouse. And it's just this big group conversation where you're talking to a bunch of humans and there's usually some leaders and you just have to dive in like with anything, but that's clubhouse. I did board on Clubhouse or can we only go live on Clubhouse? That I haven't figured out yet. So it might be a thing where we just schedule to go live and then go from there. I think we need to do that. I think we need to try it and see what happens. I saw James did it. And who else did I see did a, did a live? I saw a couple people went on. Graham Thornton did one, I think. I saw. Yeah. You have to like, it doesn't record. Because I think you have to like be listening when they're live. You can't just. Yes. It's like must see Clubhouse. Like must see TV, right? So you got to be there when it's happening. It's not, it's not like on demand. I wonder if anybody's using it yet for um, uh, recruitment marketing. 
I have been looking. Yeah, have you seen anything? No. Does but I have else knows if anybody's doing anything because that would be interesting to see. Well, I do have it on a, a customer recommendations list right now. I'm recommending yeah. it to a customer to to do a hiring event, right? Just do a hiring right. event on Clubhouse, right? So invite all your people that that you can. And the challenge again is that you have to have an iPhone, but invite as many people as you can to Clubhouse that is in their CRM or in their social profiles and then get them into Clubhouse and host a hiring event where you can talk, have the people that do the job talk about doing the job. I love this. So if you're listening in to Clubhouse, right, you're listening into a chat or whatever, they can act, you can be activated to talk, right? Like it's not just, so. so you could do some really cool things here. This to me, so this kind of goes to the, the topic I wanted to talk about, which was how do we start to move our thinking in recruitment marketing and our use of social media and these engage and these platforms from just advertising platforms where we blast our jobs out on them, right? To actually opportunities or thinking about ways in which we use them to engage, to yes. extend our engagement strategies. And I think Clubhouse is a great example because it's 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 full intent is engagement, right? You can't like just lurk. It, exactly. You have to engage. But you can. I mean, you can totally lurk. You and I are currently lurking. Yeah, okay, yeah. I'm staying in the corner with my beer and watching. But it's designed to open, I think it's designed to open doors and facilitate dialogue. And if you think about it, social that's what social media was started to do and we've hijacked it. Like if I think back to, so 2005, I was working at TMP, who now has a cool new name, Radency. Love it. Do you really? Yeah, TMP rebranded. Anyway, I know they rebranded, but we'll have to talk about your love of the name later. Keep going. It's fine. What is everybody's got a freaking opinion about everything? Just spread the love. Spread the love. Spread the okay, light. Okay. That's I'm, that's me. I, I'm spreading. I'm, I'm spreading love. I hope. I wish them all the success in the world. I think as a brand, I, I'm letting. I know we're riffing, but I'm just saying, as a company that focuses on branding and marketing, they might have thought better. They were going from telephone marketing programs. They had way they they had. No, I understand, but nobody knew that's what TMP standard for. Stood for. Standard for. Anywho. Anyway, sorry. Okay. Yeah. 2005, 2005, working for the agency, convinced a very bold customer to do the very first social recruiting campaign on MySpace. Uh huh. To recruit retail talent. Let's have a presence there. Let's tell our story there. And subsequently, of course, there were jobs there, but it was a little bit more than that. But subsequently, then we just started hijacking all of these properties to be a new bullhorn to shout at people. Then you look at fast forward to today and we have no engagement on things. Because, well, right, because it's all about just, us yelling at people what we think we want them to know. And not using it as an opportunity for them to communicate back with us and to us. Like the whole difference between engagement infers back and forth. Yeah, dialogue. Dialogue, right. And and I think social allows us an opportunity. But how many of us as recruitment marketers today actually think about our social strategies as engagement strategies and not just marketing strategies? Oh, we don't think about them that way. We think about them as marketing strategies. Right. And then if you fast forward a few years, I took um, one of my customers onto Facebook in the early days of Facebook. I want to say it was like 08, 09. And they were just using 
their social channels to post jobs, right? And I was like, you guys, this is, this is monologue. You have to shift to dialogue. This is what this channel was designed for. And it goes back to the thing we were talking about a couple of weeks ago. Like we are constantly trying to retrofit new media to old paradigms. That's right. And I think social is a classic example of it. It's classic. So help wanted sign to newspaper ad to monster to Facebook. It's still a freaking help wanted sign. That's right. And the answer and, the, and what I what I think what frustrates me the most is, is that when I talk to teams about this now, is their answer is, well, I get it, but I don't have the resources to have an engagement or to have a dialogue, to respond to a dialogue. So I don't want to set up the expectation that that's what we can do so that people aren't disappointed when they can't, when we don't respond to them. And I just, it drives me crazy because I think, well, that's just, Unimaginative thinking. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Right. Because we don't want to take the time to engage. Well, what the hell do you have time to do anyway? I run social for a couple of customers. I run, I run their social accounts. I do their content. You know, my team, we do that for customers. And I will tell you that it is not hard to respond. In fact, that first customer that we took onto social, we developed a response model for their recruiters and the response, and it was super simple. It's like, mm-hmm. if this happens, this is the response. Put it in your own words, right? Do not make it seem like, you know, when you, when you tweet the <laughs> bank, don't do that. We got your problem. Check your DMs. We got your problem. Check your DMs. If you have a social strategy and you don't have a response strategy, you don't have a social strategy. You think about there are companies that do this incredibly well that actually stand out because they do this and have built a reputation around this. And I'm not thinking just from an employer brand perspective, but just in general, their response strategy. hundred um, uh, percent. hundred percent. Oh, Delta's Delta is amazing. Yeah. I'm going to be honest. I fly Delta Airlines almost exclusively because of their Twitter support now. Right. They have fixed my life countless times on Twitter, which is amazing. Um, and it goes back to like a couple of years ago, I was presenting at either eBrandCon or SRSC. And I was talking about the history of social media and branded social media. So how brands have kind of co-opted social. And over the years, all the marketing firms started talking about, well, you need to go on social if you're a business and you need to be very human. And it, and I will tell you, I preached that myself and I looked over the years at the results of human and I'm telling everybody's listening that human is not the bar. A, human is not plausible. Um, nobody is going to believe for one second that Intel careers or Nike careers or kinder care careers or any of these companies are humans. Right. They're companies. Right. Okay. So I told everybody that, and I still believe this, and this is what we implement for our customers and we get great results is that human is useless. You know, what's really good, not sexy, but awesome, useful. You should just be useful. If so, you can so, be useful, you are going to win the hearts and minds of your audience. So that means, right, to, to put that in practical terms, people, the amount of time that you feel like you have to spend figuring out your tone of voice and and which phraseology you need to use to make to to create a certain identity for your brand becomes less important as what are the types of problems you can solve for people and how can you how quickly can you engage them in dialogue to do so 
That is a perfect, succinct way to say that. And I will tell you that social media in the age of COVID is very different. And one of the things that we've started doing with with our customers and and our business has completely shifted in the last year. We used to do, Alin, we used to do 18 to 24 month strategies for customers. This is your strategy for the next two years. We basically had a bonfire in the backyard over that practice this summer and was like, this is useless, Uh right? And so if we are, if we are putting the bar at useful, that's not useful. What is useful right now is agile. We've helped two or three customers in the past six months take an agile social strategy approach to how they engage in social media and in an agile way. So we would do the homework. We would do some best guesses, right? And some of our best guesses would be around pillars of content, right? So these are the things that we're going to talk about. And it's super funny, the frequency in which... The best idea, the best pillar that you have never performs. I will give you an example. We are working with a organization who they're very much about caring and kindness and children and they work with children and it's it's a really cool organization. And so we thought this great pillar that we called Pinspirational. And so let's give people inspiration, like inspirational things that they could do with their families or their kids or things that would inspire them to like come together with their kids and their families. Oh my God, did that pillar tank? And it tanked within two weeks. Like, and you would look (laughs) at the engagement data and you're like, people could give a flying fart about inspiration. It was amazing. Like we were just like, okay. Tagline and everything. I mean, like a great like inspiration. Come on. Come on. Everybody thought, holy shit, that's a really good idea. We should totally do that. And we did. And they didn't like it. We killed it in two weeks and transitioned to something, to another pillar. So the point is, is that you're going to go to social and your audience is going to tell you what pillars matter to them. Right. Absolutely. And so let me now now I'm going to dig a bit deeper with that and ask you with an example like that or any of the examples of the work that you're doing, how do you talk to customers about the difference between what the content looks like and how they execute that content so that it drives engagement? And what does engagement mean versus driving clicks? Like what's the the difference between marketing is I don't care. I mean, I want people to see it, sure, but I want people to engage with it. What does that look like? How is that different from marketing content? Well, so I'm not sure I totally understand the question. So I'm going to ask you to dumb it down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I mean, and maybe I don't understand my own question. But okay, so let me give you an example. So I'm trying to think about how to explain this to teams that I work with and, um, and try and articulate for them when, I, when we're talking about social content. And our current model today, which is, let me tell you, like, we think we're doing better because it's not just an ad post, but now it is a link to a story about what's going on with great candidates who are people who have been successful in our company, right? But again, it's just telling people stuff. How do you convert that sort of content strategy to something that drives engagement, which means Mm. a dialogue and opportunities or ways to help people think about doing that? Because I think that's hard, right? It's only hard if you're unwilling to let go of your ego. So 
honestly, <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> okay, you're going to have to, you're going to have to go to the next layer on that one. Your me. brand ego, right? Yeah. It, it's, it's not about you. It's about earning the right to talk about you. And we don't, we don't do that. So you earn the right to talk about yourself by providing them things that they either A, can't get anywhere else, B, makes them feel good, something, anything, not angry, hopefully, or social media. If you, levity is where social media lives. Social media was invented for smiling. I go to Facebook to look at my friend's pictures and see what their kids are doing. I don't go looking for brand testimonials. That's not in it for me, right? And if you're thinking about what I need, what you need to figure out is what your audience needs and what you need and find the overlap. Find the overlap. Again, Pinspirational sounded incredible. I'm right, exactly. I'm like, I right? That. right. Uh-huh. Where the overlap is, is for, for this brand, was safety. We were getting six, seven, eight X engagement on any provable safety related messaging. And how are you tracking engagement? Like what does engagement mean for you? Interaction with it, comments to it, shares. Shares is huge Uh for our customers. Yep. Likes don't mean crap. I look about the, that in the engagement bar. It's the number of muscles that you have to move, right? The muscles that I have to move to click like is nothing. The muscle that I have to move to click down and write a comment, the muscles that I have to move to share that to my audience. Like if I'm sharing that to my audience, that means it's valuable to me too. And that, is, that tells me where we're hitting the sweet spot. It tells me we're hitting the sweet spot of this is important to my audience and this is important to us when we see a lot of sharing. And before I started working with some customers, they'd have one or two shares. Now each of their posts is getting six to eight shares, which sounds like not very many, but go look at your own. Like they're, they're not sharing it. Oh no, they're not sharing it. It's like the foundational level of engagement is when you provide something of value, something somebody is willing to share that with others in their community. Because whole point of social media, particularly in today's age, is about expanding your community reach. Right. Yeah. And and sharing that piece. And then obviously I like your strategy around thinking about think about the number of muscles it takes, right? So then if somebody actually is inspired enough to comment or to not only share with a comment, oh my God, that'd be like like ideal. That's all the muscles getting to another level of engagement. And now people are starting to interact with your content in a way that shows that it's more meaningful than just receptive. And then sometimes, again, it goes back to my always saying to people, read the room. Sometimes posting an adorable image with a hashtag of Friday feeling, I'm feeling this, you feeling this? Yep. What's wrong with you? Of course you are. It's sweet, (laughs) right? So if you are running social for your brands, I cannot tell you enough times, stay agile, read the room. And follow the metrics. Like we also do, you know, link tagging. And so we know if people apply from our social channels. And we're obviously looking at that because recruitment marketing does end with a hire. Right. I mean, right? there's a purpose to it, right? I mean, right. But I, you know, we've got to earn the right to talk about ourselves. And I've had some customers who were very, very bold and very, very brave with me who allowed us to do curated third party content, which is very, very rare. Good Lord, does it perform? 
And your brand's team, your marketing team, they're going to, they're going to seagull that whole plan. They're just going to fly by and poop on it. By the way, for my TikTok, you guys have got to find the seagull making my way downtown, walking fast. You've got to, you've got to find that seagull on TikTok because I laughed for seven straight minutes when I saw <laughs> it. So your marketing team will seagull third-party curated content. Fight through it. The results are there. And I'm not saying that you're going to curate a piece of third-party content in from Joe Schmo's blog. I'm talking about putting third-party content on your website from The Muse, Fairy God Boss. Right. Like legit companies and your marketing team will seagull it. Keep fighting. It works. This is the kind of content. And I'm not talking about your Muse profile. No, <laughs> that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about actual job seeker tips. Tips and tricks. People need to know. The internet is full of these. We misunderstand. I think this is the challenge, right? Is that if you start reframing your picture from the idea that social media or even what you know, all these channels that we have to execute against are about just content distribution um, in order to drive eyeballs. To, yep. to who you are, to an idea of looking at it as how are you providing value and how are you driving engagement and interaction, your wealth of opportunity of what's valuable content is much bigger. I don't have to create everything from scratch then. It's not just about look at me, look at me. It's about how do I provide you value and how do you start to see me, whether I, me, the company, me, the person as a valuable place to engage or have a dialogue with? How do I earn your trust and, and your level of um, engagement, right? And, you know, then thinking through, add on top of that, kind of think about it. I, my strategy is to kind of think about that as a layered strategy, right? Kind of think about what is it that you can produce that provides value to people in terms of content that they can do that first level engagement with, which is kind of sharing and et cetera. And then layer that with, opportunities where you provide structured ways using these social medias, like we were just talking about with Clubhouse or in other locations or with the Facebook groups or et cetera, where you can have opportunities to connect both yourself and others like the people you're going for to connect with each other that you can curate those dialogues and conversations with, right? That's an easy, you don't have to control them. You don't have to be Delta and a team of people behind there answering everybody's questions, but you can be the curator of the dialogue and the conversation amongst like-minded people and they recognize you for it. We used to call that sponsorship, right? I sponsor this thing. Think about instead sponsoring communities, um, and what would that look like um, in these platforms? 100%. And we have to, again, that is a beautiful, not retrofitting. And if we are trying very, very hard to build relationships, relationships are made on dialogue. And if we treat these channels like we've treated all other channels in the past, we will not get there. And I hate to be Debbie Downer, but... It's entirely possible that we've already broken them a little. I honestly think we have. I don't think you're going to be able to convert LinkedIn as a social media into an engagement channel. Dead, right? It now has a usage model around it, which isn't, you, you can't reframe that. I think uh, Facebook is pretty much down that path as well. Twitter, I'm concerned about, but perhaps 
has some opportunity. But here's the deal, guys, just like we were talking about when we started this conversation, Clubhouse and others are going to start to come around. So then the question becomes, how do you start to proactively think about how to get in there to start trying this stuff out before they become broken? Yeah. And it's the same thing that I was talking about not too long ago on ERE with with job alerts. If we continue to not read the room, if we continue to disregard the audience's needs, the audience will continue to disregard us. Absolutely. We reap what we sow in these areas. And that's one of the things that we 100% can change. We 100% can change all of this. I'm doing with some customers in their social channels now. Like we're taking them from a 5% engagement rate to a 20% engagement rate because we're being engaging, right? And we're growing their audience. I think we grew their follower count in three months by 31%, which is great. Like 30% growth. That's awesome. And these are the sorts of thinking and the sorts of strategies that are going to be so, are so important for us right now, because these aren't about doubling or tripling your investment or even investing more. It's about thinking about how you leverage what little investment you already have. This is not about more. It's about different and difference. The only way we're going to be able to survive at this point, right? I mean, we're all, we're all scraping the bottom of the barrel. So you can't waste your time anymore and stuff that's not getting you impact. It's just not worth it. It's not. A lot of the social channels, particularly Facebook, is really pay to play. If you're not boosting posts, if you're not, if you're not paying, but there's a balance that you can reach. Like there's a balance between what you boost and what, and what you don't boost. And it, if you can strike that balance and you guys don't need somebody like me to do this for you, you can do this yourself. Like it's not, this is not a heavy lift. Mm -hmm. It's entirely possible that we are all sitting around overthinking it. Trust me. Trust me. The people on Facebook are not going to respond to you at the levels that you would expect. And even if they do, it's probably 30 minutes a day of managing that response. 30 minutes. Go get in water this week. We are so afraid of being oversaturated and we won't be able to respond or provide. I mean, like, seriously? Girl, if that's your problem. Yeah. More power (laughs) to you. Then, Then we have a different dialogue we can have. Right. Right. This is not, so let me put it this way. This will not affect your sleep number. This will, this will not affect your sleep number. Trust me. Trust me when I say when you, (laughs) when you launch in social with something different, it will be crickets and that's okay. And also, but here's the kicker. Don't assume because you're getting crickets right away that you're failing. It's just that, remember, you have not only us, but the industry as a whole and the environment as a whole has trained people to provide you crickets. Uh, give yourself a little bit of a, a ramp, right? Yeah, it's interesting. We've just started um, working with this customer because it takes time, to your point. There's right. a ramp, right? You test your pillars, you find your pillars, you see your shares, you see these things start to increase. And then you start actually getting into the engagement model mm-hmm. of asking questions. And right. we have a really fun Valentine's question that we're putting out this week because it's kids, right? right. And we're at, we're asking our followers to post the pictures of their kids' Valentine's boxes that they didn't get to make this year, right? So like, let's see them. I bet you your whole sleep number in dollars, <laughs> not a single person will post a picture of their thing, right? Probably but not. the point, but the point is, is that we're asking for it. We're inviting the dialogue. 
And the more you become a place where people can feel safe to have that dialogue just by seeing that it's there and then eventually engaging with it, right? It is, oh my God, this takes us back to the very first part of this conversation. People behave exactly the way I'm behaving on Clubhouse now or the way Tyler talked about behaving on Clubhouse. They'll grab a beer and stand in the corner and watch and watch. And then if you're consistent and if you still look like you're having fun and doing some stuff, they'll dip their toe in. And then they'll like, you know, and the next thing you know, they're dancing on the tables. And there's nothing wrong, by the way, there's nothing wrong, which is what we're going to ask the people who work at this company to post a couple of their pictures. There is nothing wrong with seeding the, seeding the answer to make the comfort. That's is it a, different than being a good host at a cocktail party and starting ahead of time to say, hey, good friend of mine that's coming to the cocktail party. If you see people stand over in the corner and looking bored, could you make sure you go over and offer them a drink and say hi to them? Same deal. Yes, same deal. And you are going to my favorite metaphor. Social media was designed for it to be a cocktail party, right? Yes. And And you might not know this about me, Lynn. I spent three years writing for one of the top social media blogs. Did you? <laughs> yeah. Uh, social media explorer. Yeah. So it's, I, I have a lot of, I have a lot of content about social media. So if you ever want to go read that, you just go Google me, social media explorer, Trace Parsons. Um, you'll get all kinds of articles anyway, but it is, it was designed to be a cocktail party. And you guys know that right now in our industry, we're being the jacker who spends all his time talking about his outfit and how cute he is and how adorable he is and what awesome job he has and how cool he is and how smart he is. And how frequently do you just walk away from that dude? God, so yes. Every absolutely. time. Stop being that dude. That is your mission, everybody, for this week. Stop, Stop being that dude. Oh, Tracy, as always, best conversation. Thank you, everybody, for listening in. I want to, we, we, so I, this is so bad. I don't even eat our own dog food on this one. I am so bad. We have like a Twitter handle and I don't engage with it all. Oh my, I am going to work on that. But now I'm going to say, wait, Twitter, maybe is not the thing. We're going to figure out this clubhouse thing. And that's where we're going to eat our dog food on this. I, I, then we're going to do something there. If you're on Clubhouse and you're interested in joining us or participating, please tweet Tracy at T Parsons or me at Alin Bailey and let us know that this is something that would be interesting and engaging for you. Wouldn't you like to be part of this like chit chat, like live? We have a good time, guys, but we would be even more fun if we did it like in a crew. So let's think about that. Maybe we'll maybe in a couple of weeks we'll we'll throw a flag out there and try it. I think so. Um, Yeah, sounds awesome. So until next time, everyone, thank you so much. Again, you can reach Tracy at T Parsons and me, Adeline Bailey, or you could respond to our Twitter at our RebelCast. And I do monitor it. I would respond to you and engage with you. Don't leave me standing at the party by myself. That's all I'm saying. I have social anxiety. It's not a good thing. (laughs) And it's really going to jack with your sleep number. Oh, dear Lord. God, yes. Help a Lynn sleep number, everybody. She needs you. Exactly. Talk to you soon. Bye, everybody. Bye now. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Recruitment Marketing Rebelcast. Tracy and I feel privileged and blessed to be a part of your day and would love to have you reach out and tell us what's on your mind. You can reach us on Twitter, Adeline Bailey. 
and or at T. Parsons. Until next time, here's hoping you see a rainbow, have a good belly-aching laugh, and find some joy in connecting and growing the world of TA and recruitment marketing. Talk to you soon. The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast.